0: Drive time, Keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
0: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information.
2: From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between.
0: It's serious. It's fun. It's your
2: Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ.
3: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Of course, I'm sure by now you've heard the news. Guilty, guilty, guilty for Chauvin in Minneapolis. and Craziness has already started. There was a uh, Polish church that was burnt to the ground. Of course, there's a new report of a, a police involved shooting in Columbus, Ohio, of a teenage girl who was uh, attacking another girl with a knife. Body cam footage was, was released today on that one. And then uh, ISIS executes Christians as a warning to Christians. I mean, there's so many stories. There's a Yemeni uh, person on the terrorist watch list who was released by the Mexican government so he could pursue his dream of coming over the border. Uh, Project Veritas released that story yesterday. There's a whole lot of stories in the news today. Um, But I think it it illustrates the revolution going on in our world and our society today. And what is the solution? The solution is the counter-revolution. And to talk about that today, John Horvat is going to be on with us from uh, TFP, Tradition, Family, and Property. We're going to be talking about crushing the the revolution to bring back the culture for Christ. Uh, That'll be our guest segment. But in the What's Concerning Us, we'll be jumping into a lot of these news stories. And, uh, you know, where do we go from here? Who knows? Who knows is the answer. But uh, Christ is sitting on his throne, and God is so very good. Another opportunity for us to do prayer, fasting, and penance for the world and, uh, and for those souls that are in desperate need to hear that. The team is here, of course. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez.
0: Good morning, Joe. Yeah, lots to talk about today for sure.
3: Yeah, praise be to God. Um very concerning, you know the the situation at hand. You know, there's a Politico actually has a story about whether or not the judge, because it's just the jury that's come out. The judge still has to to rule, and the judge could declare a mistrial. What will happen then? Who knows? Like the whole world could go up in chaos, but we'll see. Speaking of chaos, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes. Speaking of chaos, my I uh, talking about my life or just me in general? I'm confused. Yes. Praise awesome. be to God. Um, awesome. we, we're going to jump into a lot of stories today. We'll have breaking news and stories, of course, with Emily. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, a What's Concerning Us. And in this hour, John Horvat is going to be our guest on from TFP talking about the counter-revolution uh, to bring back... Uh, to win the culture for christ in the next hour if you are at all able to join us boy would we surely love to have you we have our fear and trembling game show it's a trivia game show it's always a lot of fun and we have a brand new prize sponsor this week so your chance to win the prize hundred dollar value i think um is pretty big so stick around if you can for all are part of catholic drive time today it's going to be jam-packed let's pray for whatever's on your heart today of course we're praying for peace in our country uh, peace in the hearts and minds of those uh, people who uh, either are celebrating or lamenting today it 's like fifty fifty shot right? <laughs> Your friends are either loving the outcome or hating the outcome it 's one or the other let 's pray for peace in our country, peace and justice for for those um, people involved let 's ask our Lady queen of Heaven and Earth to intercede for all of us, especially those that are facing their their death today. Facing eternity, like those Christians murdered by ISIS. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for all those that are going to suffer today. Let's ask our Lord in his kindness and his mercy through the intercession of the blessed Virgin Mary to be with us all uh, on this very day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee, I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
0: Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been convicted on all charges in the death of George Floyd. Chauvin faces up to 40 years in prison for second-degree murder, up to 25 years for third-degree murder, and up to 10 years for second-degree manslaughter. Capitol Hill Security Forces abruptly reversed plans to reinstall outer perimeter fencing and call in additional security measures on Capitol Complex grounds minutes after Derek Chauvin was convicted. The fencing had been meant to protect against potential unrest related to the trial after Democrat Representative Maxine Waters on Saturday night ...called for protesters to stay on the street and get more confrontational. Archbishop Bernard Hebda of Minneapolis called for peace, reconciliation, and a greater respect for human life... ...after former police officer Derek Chauvin was found guilty of the 2020 death of George Floyd. The Tennessee House of Representatives advanced a bill this week... ...that would require medical providers to bury or cremate the bodies of aborted babies... The bill passed through the House on Monday. It is scheduled for a vote at the state Senate on Wednesday. Lawmakers and pro-life supporters say the bill would help preserve human dignity. If it is passed, HB 1181 would require medical providers to either bury or cremate the remains of a baby who had been aborted. According to the Memphis Flyer, the bill's House sponsor, Representative Tim Rudd, stated that the average burial will cost about $150 and cremation services will cost $350. Under the measure, pregnant women who would have the right to choose either form of burial as well as to select the location, but may choose not to exercise that right. Rudd said that while no state funds have been set aside for these costs, many funeral homes and charities have offered to cover these services free of charge. A global religious freedom report is seeing a dramatic increase in jihadist groups in Africa. Aid to the Church in Need published a religious freedom report on Tuesday documenting a dramatic increase in the presence of jihadist groups, some aligned with the Islamic State in Sub-Saharan and Eastern Africa. Marcella Smimansky wrote in the report published on April 20th, Over the last two years, jihadist groups have consolidated their presence in Sub-Saharan Africa and the region has become a haven for over two dozen actively operating and increasingly cooperating groups in 14 countries, including affiliates of the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda. The development of these affiliates has occurred within an alarmingly short time frame, and the pattern is familiar. Attacks by local criminal gangs spurred on by Salafi jihadist preachers progress from the sporadic and arbitrary to the ideological and targeted. Persecution based on faith worsened particularly in Nigeria, Mozambique, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Chad, Mali, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and other African countries. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Roman Adme Rosales, pray for us. St. Roman was born on the 27th of February, 1859 in Yulazco, Mexico. He was ordained on the 30th of November 1890, He became a parish priest in 1913, and it's a position he held up until his death. He was especially known for his ministry to the sick and his devotion to Our Lady. He built chapels in the area and founded the Daughters of Mary of Nocturnal Adoration. When government persecutions of the Plutarcho Cayas uh, regime uh, began to persecute the Christians, he began to take his ministry underground. On the 18th of April, 1927, he conducted he conducted a Lenten service when one of the people at the service betrayed him to uh, a colonel, Colonel Quinones, and Father Roman was arrested. He was forced to walk for many miles to a parish uh, further away that was uh, commandeered by the federal government and used as a jail. Colonel Quinones used the rectory for his own personal use, and he kept St. Roman tied up to an outdoor post during the day, threw him in a cell at night, neglected to give him food or water. Some local laypeople offered to buy the priest's freedom, and the colonel demanded a $6,000 bribe, and he pocketed the money and had uh, ordered Father Roman to be executed. Anyway, one of the soldiers, an Antonio Carrillo, refused to shoot St. Roman, so they executed him alongside as well. They were shot on the 21st of April, 1927, near a cemetery. He was canonized on the 21st of May, 2000, by Pope St. John Paul II. St. Roman Adme Rosales, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40, continuation, From yesterday. Jesus said to the crowds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is a passage I mean, the Bread of Life discourse, right? So we are we are about uh, we are on the precipice here of the the, of the really getting into the nitty-gritty of this passage, of this particular uh, discourse, which is John 6 is so amazing. I just absolutely love it is the the hinge for me to give my fiat to Christ and to his Catholic Church. Um this was the this this particular chapter, this passage this this verse, this, this whole section is so powerful. You have to chew on it repeatedly uh, to get so much out of it. But let me tell you something. There's still this invitation at this stage of the affair of Jesus inviting them to have faith. I think what comes next is the hammer, in my opinion, where he begins to repeat over and over and over again that his flesh is... Uh, True food, indeed. We're going to get into that probably tomorrow. But this is a perfect harmony in this passage between the human will of Jesus and the divine will of the Father. There's never any conflict between these two. Perfect harmony between the Son and the Father. An invitation to believe and a promise of resurrection. What is the test of that faith? The test will be the Holy Eucharist. The test of the faith that Jesus is inviting them to is belief- and reception of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist, and this is what they will struggle with, and this is what will cause most of his disciples to walk away because they can't they can 't wrap their head around it uh, there 's so much to say about that, but here 's an interesting thing, and I want to peek I want to bring Adrian in even uh, lately we haven 't been uh, doing the the tit for tat stuff uh, uh, in the Gospel reflection, but I think this is fascinating. Adrian, question. Does this passage seem to indicate predestination? Because the saints, the fathers of the church have opinions on this, as I was looking this morning. Bede seems to think so. Chrysostom has uh, has an opinion, so does Augustine. And I think the church, um, especially some religious orders, maybe one you particularly care for, might have strong opinions as well. This, yes, this is certainly a passage of predestination. We as
4: Catholics kind of cringe when we hear (laughs) predestination because we automatically think of Calvinism when we think predestination, but that's because they have their famously, or infamously rather, a double predestination where they believe God uh, predestines some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. Um, we also believe in predestination as Catholics, but it's a little bit more complicated um, to go over in a minute. But long story short, yes, this does uh, talk about predestination, and, um, and we should be aware this is a teaching of the church that God does predestine those to heaven, and we probably should uh, spend spend some time exploring this, and maybe we'll have time— Uh, in the second hour uh, to talk about just the implication of the predestination (laughs) and said, because we only have about
3: 30 seconds before the break. (laughs) It's not enough time to really dive into it. Bede says, quote, all he saith absolutely to show the fullness of the number who should believe. These are they which the Father gives the Son, when by his secret inspiration he makes them believe in the Son. Hmm... Hmm. It reminds me of uh, Braveheart. Remember that scene where the Irishman is turning to William Wallace and says, "The Lord says He can get me out of this mess, but you are blank." <laughs> I can't say it on the radio. Uh, anyway, there's a whole whole debate. Much ink has been spilt over predestination. Uh, chew on the passage today. The, the bottom line here is there is an invitation to faith, and the test of that faith is the Holy Eucharist. So uh, let us uh, let's be grateful for the, for the gift of God. For the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ given to us under the guise of what looks like bread, but it is not. What looks like wine, but is not. Praise be to God. Don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, a lot of stories in the headlines to talk about what's concerning us is coming up next.
1: Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, We used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well, then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism, or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com.
3: to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you today. So much to talk about in the headline news. Of course, the Chauvin trial is definitely going to be on the agenda this morning. Um, Coming up in 20 minutes or so, John Horvat from TFP, Tradition, Family and Property in America, is going to be on to talk about the counter-revolution the revolution versus the counter-revolution, crushing the revolution for the glory of God and the salvation of souls, winning back the culture for Christ. So I've been reading uh, Professor Plinio's book, Revolution and Counter-Revolution. So that's uh, part of the reason why we've invited uh, John Horvat on to talk about this. So that's coming up 20 minutes from now. What we can do. That's the bottom line there. But there's so many stories today You know, we all waited, Uh, it was, I think it was pretty obvious when the jury came back within four hours to say they have a decision, that how (laughs) the writing was on the wall at that point. But I want to say this about this case, this particular case last year, you know, my initial reaction to watching the video last year, last May 2020, when it first happened, was shock. I mean, I, like most people, saw that video and went, oh, wow, look at that. Why is he putting his his knee on his neck? That seems rather strange. That seems crazy. Um, I felt, I, I think I, I even, I did in fact say it on the radio too. I said, I don't think any police officer should put their knee on their neck. I said, I'm 99.9% sure I said that on the radio. I remember but, you saying that. But then you, but then you, you start to learn some things. One thing that's very interesting in this case, no matter how you feel you could you could you could be celebrating today or lamenting today either way, it's interesting that the body cam footage, the complete police footage didn't come out they didn't release it. it had to be leaked. I think it was leaked uh, through the press. I think Daily Mail uh, leaked the footage. Why is that? We have the footage of the shooting from the uh, Columbus uh, teenage girl from yesterday. We have that already. That's now out. You can see that. So within hours, that, that footage has been released to the public. But the Chauvin uh, footage, that had to be leaked months, months later. That's interesting. Turns out that um, Mr. Floyd had a lethal amount of fentanyl in his system. It turns out he did, in fact, uh, resist uh, arrest. Now, and it also turns out that the maneuver of the the knee on the neck kind of thing, turns out it wasn't actually on the neck. It was more on the shoulder and the back. uh, But it's an approved method and and technique of the police department, which he worked for. Now, you could also, I think, legitimately argue that uh, the uh, police officer... Knowing that his his uh his the person he's trying to arrest and subdue is high as a kiton fentanyl, probably should have checked on him, you know. Hey, how you doing? You know, set him up a little bit and so what's you know, are you doing okay? I mean he should have probably done that. I would make that argument. And there could be some negligence in that. I think that's a legitimate argument one could make. But it I think more importantly. No matter how you feel about the actual event and what actually the facts suggest took place or didn't take place, I found it interesting Rudy Giuliani felt the trial was fair. I didn't see that coming from Rudy Giuliani. But the politics around this trial, that's the real kicker. When you have a congressperson flying there to try to say, we demand guilty verdict out of the jury no matter what, or we get more confrontational. Boy, that stirs some things up. You had the, the, you had the National Guard troops attacked by a drive-by shooting. You had some, uh, one of the uh, witnesses for the defense, uh, I think it was a retired police officer. Um, somebody took and severed the head of a pig and put it on his doorstep and pl- uh, splattered blood all over the door. But the, here's the kicker: It turns out that he no longer lives there. Somebody else is living there now. Who had to wake up or find a severed pig head and blood splattered all over the doorway? That's pretty intimidating. The jury was never sequestered until it was time for them to deliberate. So you can imagine the pressure that they were facing. Uh, the the thoughts of you know the security of their families. What will happen? If they don't agree with the politics in this case, will their families be attacked? Will they be doxed? Have their names and, and addresses already been released by the media? So the question becomes, is it possible to even have a fair trial in all of this, even if even if, in fact, he is totally guilty, is it still possible for him to get a fair trial? Because here's the kicker. Uh, this is a Politico.com article here. It says, Chauvin judge warns a Waters comments may overturn trial. Think about that for a second. There could still be chaos on the agenda. And there already has been. They burned down a Polish church, for crying aloud. It says, the judge overseeing the trial, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin... On Monday, uh, excoriated House Financial Services Chair Maxine Waters after she urged protesters to, quote, get more confrontational, unquote, if the jury did not return a guilty verdict for the murder of George Floyd. Judge Peter Cahill told Chauvin's defense team that the California Democrat, quote, may have given you something on appeal that may result in his whole trial being overturned, unquote. Now... You can, We'll link to it. You can read it for yourself. Politico.com is the one uh, reporting this. So here's the thing. Maybe the, the judge still has to come out and give his his verdict. And it, I mean, my guess is he will go along with the jury because he doesn't want his house attacked with severed pig heads either. Um, so he'll probably just go along with the, with the jury. However, he has handed on a silver platter the defense team's uh, appeal so in the end this could all be thrown out anyway but here's the kicker if the man is uh is innocent if quote if i don't know you don't know i haven't seen all the evidence you haven't either none of us have we weren't in that courtroom and i certainly didn't watch this trial so i don't know but if the man is innocent he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life and he probably will be attacked and could be far worse while there if he is guilty well um we all have to face justice but it's the politics around this case, not the facts that are the most concerning. What do you guys think?
0: Well, I was just thinking in, in my one of my college philosophy courses, ethical leadership, where we've been learning about Mahatma Gandhi and how he led this movement of nonviolent resistance to injustice and systems of oppression. And it's just so crazy to see how far we've come in this, in this last century to go from Huge effective movements, highly effective movements of nonviolent resistance to now we're going to riot if you don't give us what we want.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: And and just to, to hear Maxine Waters continually, like people have been calling her out like, whoa, you're literally calling for violence? And she re- repeats it over and over again because there are no repercussions for what she's saying. So like she, she's allowed to keep calling for violence and, and to keep um, motivating people to react in, in a destructive way if they don 't get what they want i just it's very i think it 's very unhealthy, very destructive and it 's frightening
4: yeah i 'm also of the same opinion i think this is, this is crazy I, I I cannot see how a fair uh, trial could even be hap could even happen because the intimidation a factor alone if I was in that jury. I don't know if I would have the courage to be able to, uh, to say that he was not guilty if I thought that he was not guilty. The only, uh, outcome that could honestly be trusted is a not guilty, um, de- decision because of the intimidation factor. Because you know that one, if you, if you say that he's not guilty, then you know there's going to be riots in the city. You yourself are probably going to be doxxed. Your family is in danger. You have politicians of the highest order backing the case that you are deciding on. I, I don't see how you could possibly make a fair decision. But the good news is that we have a judge that, he, that will ultimately, that cannot be ruled by mob rule, that cannot be swayed at the particular and general judgments we will not have a chance to intimidate anyone. We will not be able to have no – no power in the world can intimidate our Lord. We cannot have a mob rule. Justice will be served in the end. And no matter what happens, uh, whatever, who is right, who is wrong, justice will be served at the particular and general judgments. You know,
3: think about the ramifications of this. You know, pretend for one second that you're a Caucasian person who works in the police department someplace in America – And you're sitting in your car and you hear over the radio a call to respond to an incident involving uh, a person who is who is black. Will you respond? Will you go? Most of them still will. Why? Because the vast majority of our police officers are servants. They want to help. They feel called to the vocation, and the, or that occupation, rather, and they are going to serve. But boy, are they going to double question themselves. The boy, are they going to be thinking in the back of their head, is this going to mean I might have to face prison? Does this mean my family will be doxxed? If, if this thing doesn't go down perfectly, uh, if there's some sort of mistake, some sort of issue that comes up along the way of this incident, will will this be the end of my career or worse, will I have to go to prison? I mean, how many police officers are just saying, this is too much now, it is a bridge too far, I can't do it anymore, and they walk away. What will we get for police uh, departments around our country, especially in the major cities and the high crime areas? Will we have a quality police department in those in the the coming days? I don't know. I think this will tragically uh, gut many police departments around our country. I think there'll be a lot of incredible uh, police officers who will who will think twice because they probably feel the risks are too high for for the work and for the and for the pay.
0: Yeah, we cannot live in in a society where we have anarchist groups that are intimidating people to the point where they feel they have no choice otherwise they're going to face uh, this this bullying from them. It's that's how a democracy dies. When you let anarchist groups intimidate you and push you into a corner and do whatever they tell you to do.
3: Yeah. It is a very tragic situation for everyone involved in my opinion, and uh, who knows you know again i don 't know all the evidence I certainly don 't I did not follow the trial that very all that closely because I knew it was more political than it was uh, anything else and And here we are, and it 's the days ahead are going to be tough but uh, you know, if you go back and read St. Paul in Thessalonians when he talks about the great man of perdition, the Antichrist, when he makes his, his entrance upon on the stage of, of our times, you know, what has to happen before that? The great apostasy. So the build up to the end times comes with a, with a degrading of culture, a degrading uh, of, of our society, but more importantly, a degrading of the faithful. And we must, as faithful Catholics, decide to stand our ground that we are going to stand upon the rock and our faith. We must have faith and we must believe and we must teach and and share that with the world around us. So no matter what the laws or the craziness in our culture is, we still have an opportunity to help evangelize for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. That's why we've invited John Horvat on our program. He's coming up in just a little bit right after this very short break we're going to talk about the revolution that we see in our streets and our in our headlines and everywhere else but we're going to talk about the counter-revolution what you and i can do about it what we ought to be doing about it to win back our culture for christ there's still time there's still things we can do we have to be resolved in doing them that and more coming up right after this very short break catholic drive time is headed your way
2: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic Church is just out of touch. It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says, We do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us, as the church, to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, The world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why, in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of calcutta want more than a minute visit Chesterton.org.
4: howdy this is adrian fonseca producer of the catholic drive time show heard monday through friday 6 a.m central and 7 a.m eastern right here on the guadalupe radio network and i'm proud to tell you that real estate for life is an underwriter of catholic drive time Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro life organizations, offering their clients a faith based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today's Wednesday, April 21st, and these are your headlines for today. A Christian college in Missouri sued the Biden administration last week over an order requiring single-sex dorms or bathrooms to be available to members of the opposite biological sex. The College of the Ozarks, a Christian liberal arts college, claimed that an executive order from President Joe Biden would require the college to violate its religious beliefs. Biden issued a January 21st executive order interpreting a... federal prohibitions on sex discrimination to also ban discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Legal experts warned that the order, by redefining sex discrimination, could pose far-reaching consequences for women-only accommodations, such as sports teams, locker rooms and bathrooms, and shelters. In its implementation of the order in February, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development determined that, pursuant to the order, it would now interpret federal housing laws that prohibit sex discrimination to also include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes in housing. The Connecticut House of Representatives has advanced a bill to end the religious exemption from childhood vaccine requirements beginning in 2022. The bill to end the religious exemption for childhood vaccines advanced by a bipartisan vote of 90 to 53. It has the support of Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont, but still needs to pass the state Senate. About 7,600 K-12 through 12th grade students now have religious exemptions from the state's vaccination requirements. There's been an increase in the number of requests for religious exemption from childhood vaccines. In as many as 100 schools, vaccination rates have fallen below 95%. The Catholic bishops have said in the past that all religious exemptions should be jealously guarded. The number of migrants arriving in Italy by sea tripled last year, with more than 34,000 migrants arriving by sea in 2020, up from 11,000 arrivals the previous year, while the number of legal asylum applications in Italy decreased to 28,000 applicants. Refugees and migrants who worked in the restaurant and hotel industries were hit hard by job losses in 2020 due to the lockdown restrictions in Italy, according to a Catholic charity that works to provide social services to migrants. In addition to the increased number of arrivals by sea, mostly on the southern Italian island of Lampedusa, another 11,000 people were intercepted in the Mediterranean and brought back to Libya, and 1,400 people died trying to make the crossing in 2020. A bust of St. John Paul II was vandalized on Monday outside a Polish Catholic Church in Paris. An unidentified perpetrator poured red paint over the sculpture outside Notre Dame de l'Assomption Church in the heart of the French capital on April 19th. Father Pawel Witkowski, pastor of the church, which belongs to the Polish Catholic Mission, told reporters that he and his parishioners were deeply saddened by the incident. He said that John Paul II, who served as Pope from 1978 to 2005, and helped to liberate Poland from communism, certainly did not deserve such treatment. While the vandals' motives were not known, similar acts of vandalism have occurred in Poland during protests following a constitutional court ruling on abortion in October. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. I want to thank gloryandshine.com for generously becoming a sponsor of Catholic Drive Time and supporting us in our work. Um, They make products like soap bars and body mists and beard care, so beard balms and and all kinds of stuff like that, Uh, but they do it with the the glory of God in mind because their pro, their packaging is just so incredibly beautiful. Let me just read this sentence to you from their mission statement on their website gloryandshine.com says, "Quote: At Glory and Shine, we put our passion and love for Jesus Christ and his universal church into action by creating natural and supernatural self-care products with a catholic purpose." Unquote. You should check it out. Ed, the packaging alone is worth the price of admission. It's pretty cool. At any rate, uh, that's gloryandshine.com. Joining us right now, Vi- zoom chat is uh, mr john Horvat. he is vice president and member of the board of directors for the american society for the defense of tradition family and property and the head of tfp tfp commission for american studies uh good morning to you mr Horvat. thank you for being on our program today great to be on the show uh, we want to talk about revolution and counter-revolution. And I I recently picked up a copy of uh, Professor Plinio's uh, book, Revolution, Counter-Revolution. I've been reading through it. It's uh, it's very philosophical in its nature, but I think it it really cuts to the core of. Uh, we read the headline news. We discuss the headline news on this show, and you know, just reading the headline news, the revolution is obviously apparent in our society. The chaos that rules the day. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can set the stage with that. What is the revolution, Mr. Horvat?
5: Right. The book Revolution and Counter Revolution is a book written by Professor Plinio Colleer de Veda. And it is a, a book that um, seeks to put order in the chaos of the events that we see. And so what he talks about is the historic processes that you see in history and sort of give you a uh, a roadmap of what's happening. And so what what he does is he says that there is you can you can discern in histo- in the modern history, especially history, since the Renaissance, um, a process of revolution, of destroying order, a Christian order, our our Christian civilization, Christendom that, you know, was a civilization where the gospel ruled. And so he says that you can define certain events in history, revolutions in history, as, um, you know, as milestones that broke down order. And so he's, he defi- he he says there are four major revolutions in history and in modern history: the Protestant Revolution, the French Revolution, the Communist Revolution, and the sexual revolution of the 60s. And how all these uh, contributed to 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 uh, to destroying Christendom. And you could put them all together and call them. He puts them all together and calls them the revolution. You know that is that it. They all form a whole. They all have a Uh, They're all very consistent in their doctrines and their methods. Mr. John Horvat
3: is our guest with TFP. We're talking about revolution. You know, Mr. Horvat, I would even suggest that the revolution starts at the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. You know, the (laughs) the, the sinful nature, the concupiscent nature of man as a result – uh, to that fall, is always uh, in a in a sort of a state of rebellion, or on mm-hmm. the brink of rebellion if for those that are trying to live in a state of grace, at least. Uh, and But there is a, an organization to the, re- the rebellion that's, I think, outlined in, in Professor Plenio's book. And I find it particularly fascinating because so many people, Catholics included, um, can't see the through the proper lens the protestant revolution or the french revolution Mm -hmm. um i think some of us are living the communist revolution pretty hard now but Mm -hmm. uh like with when we look back at the these other two revolutions the protestant revolution or the french revolution they can't see their connectedness they can't see how they might be wrong many people Mm -hmm. uh sing the praises of the french revolution what would you say to that
5: right definitely what what characterizes these revolutions are two things uh pride and sensuality that they brought all these revolutions have in common the fact that they want to destroy the moral foundations of society and also want to destroy, um, let's say, um, the uh, authority, rightful authority that, that rules in society. Uh, the French Revolution is particularly problematic because it was near our own revolution. And the French Revolution, you know, it's portrayed as something that is a, a revolution against tyranny. But you, when you look at the revolution itself, it destroyed the social order that existed in France and created its own tyranny—the guillotine—and and, and uh, killed, you know, millions of people. So you know, it is a—I I think it is a lack of, of uh, you know, our teaching in history. People really don't understand what happened then. Uh, a, a very good Catholic perspective of what happened in the French Revolution will get, will allow you to see it was a very anti-christian anti-catholic revolution uh, that persecuted the church and uh, and there are many martyrs as a result mr john horvat is our guest uh we
3: have to take a break in a couple of minutes but i mm-hmm. I, I know that you also wrote a book called return to order um, mm-hmm. and it's sort of uh, tying into this theme as well tell us about your book
5: yes my book is a it's an application of revolution and counter-revolution that was its intention it is to describe historic processes in our own history and our own, uh, especially uh, from the from the Industrial Revolution on, how this uh, had its impact upon economy and culture and what a, a, a true Catholic culture is, a co- true Catholic economy is. That's what this book outlines.
3: There's so much in our society. I think we could point to. Um, what would you say are the biggest telltale signs for those that can't see it? Like, what would you point to to say, look, revolution, see revolution, see revolution? What, what, to, what are the symptoms that you might point to for those that can't see?
5: I think it's very, very, very manifest in our culture. You know, the, uh, our culture has, is, a, is a manifestation of philosophies and doctrines that, that uh, show themselves in, in, in our daily lives. Uh, I think today's revolution is definitely the, the sexual revolution, the what was called the fourth revolution, and that is we see it in our daily lives and the way people uh, the way people um, you know the the vulgarity of life, the lack of civility in life, the uh, you know a lot of the very uh, obscene music that we, we have, the the um, the immoral fashions. Uh, you know, all these point to those those uh, a, a philosophy of life and a uh, definitely a revolution of overturning Christian values and uh, ways of life. Uh, are you at all
3: surprised to see, um, well, that music means uh, we've got to go to break, right, so we're going to okay, hold that thought. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess I'm not surprised when I see so many Christians, Catholics... Uh, really sort of embraced the revolutions they seem to have lost the zeal the fervor the salt so uh, we're going to talk about the counter-revolution on the other side of this very short break mr john horbach tfp is our guest and the counter-revolution is coming up next so don't go anywhere Catholic drive time is headed your way
6: it's like learning to ride a bike
2: one minute monk Abbot placid Solari of belmont abbey
6: remember when you first learned to ride a bike It was a bit uncertain and shaky at first, and inevitably there were the falls. The only way to learn was to get right back on the bike and try again. In the rule of St. Benedict, the saint tells us that virtue is a lot like that. We grow into it slowly, although we often think it should be quick and easy, almost automatic. In reality, though, it's like learning to ride a bike. We fall and get up again, and each time we try again, we get just a little better. Soon... We know how to ride the bike. It becomes natural, and we do it without even trying.
2: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com.
6: When we fall in our attempts at virtue, we simply need to get right back up and keep on trying. We can do it.
0: Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org.
3: Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Mr. John Horvat is our guest. He is with TFP, Tradition, Family, and Property. He has a book called Return to Order, where we're talking about that, as well as Professor Plenio's uh, Revolution, Counter-Revolution. It's, it's uh, really the same theme, and really the same subject here. But before we went to the break, Mr. Horvath, I was saying I'm not surprised to see so many Christians embrace, you know, these tenets of revolution, sort of uh, uh, turning away from Christianity. I mean, in fact, uh, there was a a, a study then maybe two weeks ago that said Mm -hmm. for the first time in America, less Mm -hmm. than half of Americans identify as Christians, Um, So the non-N-O-N-E category is skyrocketing in our culture. That's a telltale sign, is it not?
5: Yes, definitely. And, you know, it is a result of the—I mean, everybody's hit on all sides. They're getting hit in the schools. They're being hit in the culture. They're being hit in in, in what they—in even the crisis inside the church. All these things that—all these normal structures that would normally help persons— to live lives of virtue and live, live Catholic lives, you know, they are undermined. And so, uh, it, as you say, it's not surprising. It's uh, you know that this is happening, and uh, it, it is something that um, it is so tragic because we have the elements, uh, let's say, to to do a counter revolution. Uh, but uh, it is it is something. I, I think this book helps a lot to put it in perspective and see what's coming at us and who's coming at us.
4: Mr. John Horvat, um, yeah, so I, one of my favorite lines in Revolution, Con Revolution is the very simple description of what the revolution and counter-revolution is. Uh, Professor Plinio is saying that re- if the revolution is disorder, then the counter-revolution the must be a return to order. Um, and so, wh- hey, your book uh, talks about this, and I just wanted to point out that it's free online, so if anyone wants to get it, they can go to the return to order uh, website and uh, get it there. But... Absolutely. I what what exactly does that mean, though? Because it seems uh, that may, that that rings clear to me. But can you parse that out? What does it mean that the revolution is disorder and that the counter-revolution is order? What what does that actually mean?
5: Okay, that passage. In fact, I have the book here. Is you know that uh, revolution is order and the ca- counter the restoration of order. Um, it, it it describes a bit what we're talking about. Uh, the revolution is. Uh, by order we mean the peace of Christ in the reign of Christ, that is Christian civilization, austere, hierarchical, fundamentally sacral, anti egalitarian and anti liberal. <laughs> That's the description that he gives of what we mean by order. And uh, you know, just to parse that out is to say a society that 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 uh, functions in in accordance to its end. Its and its end is the sanctification of souls and and eventually get into heaven so that a society is organized in a way which reflects you know god and his order and 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 the goodness of god and the virtues of god so that is what we mean by order a, a society that is profoundly uh sacred that has in mind our final end and uh, the 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 revolution likes, wants to destroy that you know through all the means which we just, we've just talked about
4: and that reminds me of something I just learned recently speaking to some of the TFP members of Professor Plinio's uh, description of what he calls a, ca- a Catholic sense. Um, and that, that really struck home with me because it was like a common sense, but a Catholic sense. And so we have, uh, this, like, some things just seem off to us. Like when we hear heresy or we hear, uh, things that just, uh, we just know in the, in our bones that, it, that it's, that's not right. Uh, yet we are convinced to go along with it otherwise. Could you talk about, like, how do we develop this Catholic sense, or I guess in theological terms, the census the fidelium? What, what is this Catholic sense that we have innate in us?
5: Yeah, so the Catholic sense is, is, you see it all the time in, in history. I mean, a lot of times uh, there are cases where, you know, um, uh, a preacher will be preaching in a church, and, a, and an old lady or a little child will say, no, that's heresy. <laughs> you know, it, because it's so it's so much a part of our being that we are in sync with what God thinks and what God, how God acts in God acts that, uh, you know, we sense that maybe we may not know how to make it explicit. Many times, you know, you, he won't be able to give the theological reasons behind it, but they'll say, no, that's wrong. And so in a society where things are in order, uh, the disorders are, are very are much more apparent than in a society where everything is in disorder and, you know, the order stands out, but uh, not the disorder. So, I mean, it is, it, uh, that way of living, that co-naturality with order allows us to, to pick out those things which are not in order and gives us that sensus fidelis.
3: Mr. John Horvat is our guest, TFP, uh, Tradition Family Property, talking about the revolution and now the counter-revolution to that. You know, you talk about order, Mr. Horvat. I served in the Marine Corps. And hierarchy and order is just a part of the structure and the life of every Marine. It's uh, beaten literally into you from the first (laughs) days of your service. (laughs) Um, So it's something I understand very very easily, comes very natural to me. And you see that in in nature and in in creation itself. You can see a structure and a hierarchy and uh, an order of things. It seems very reasonable, and yet uh, we see disorder in the culture. And one of the p- reasons why I bring this up is because one of the things t- in the counter-revolution, especially reading Professor Plenio's book, it seems very clear to me that all of us Christians have an obligation, have a duty to bring about the counter-revolution within our, our capabilities, within our aptitudes, our spheres of influence, within our society where, where we serve right where the rubber meets the road. And one of the problems that I see... In Christian, or let me just speak Catholic apostolate work, is um, there's often a very uh, niche, very uh, clicky type of circles that are formed, and then uh, the, you know, there's a, there's this sentiment that says unless you're doing it exactly the way I would, talking to the exact same people that I do, then it, it must not count. And I see this all the time, and I see very little support across these circles. And I find that very troubling as a Marine, because I know that we all can't uh, attack the front door. Someone's got to go around to the back. But both of us are in support of each other. What would you say to that, Mr. Horvat?
5: Right. I mean, the Marine Corps has a lot of order, uh, but all society cannot be the Marines. Oh, Uh, darn it. (laughs) Why not? <laughs> because uh, uh, You've been, have you been starts, talking
3: to my wife? Has she been telling you <laughs> stories, Mister Harvard, I can tell.
5: <laughs> uh, they, because uh, order, I mean, there there is a need for that type of order that exists in the Marine Corps, but society is something that uh, is you can't impose order upon people in in, in, a, in that type of way because then society becomes a prison, not a a a, a family. And so that is why, in society, in a Catholic society, there are a lot of intermediary, intermediary structures that are, that that mediate order, that that uh, channel that authority, that make it human, so that you have family, community, parish, church, guilds, uh, you know, all these kind of things that are are like families, and families are, you know, have this. Have a way of instituting order and and uh, and authority in a in a, a suave in a in a way which is very um, according to our nature we, we like that type of order and so I think that is a lot, of, a lot of what's missing you know people say well you know society's a mess let's just you know put it in order by uh, just by ordering it in order and th- and that's not going to work you have to have those institutions those uh, or the, that goodness that kindness that that outreach that will bring people back into that order and uh you know see how that order is sweet and and uh, the burden is sweet you know and and not and not something that is uh tyrannical because uh, that is that is not what christian order is
3: but what about counter revolutionaries supporting other counter revolutionaries you know they might not have the same uh you know uh uh audience the same uh mode the same action the same method mm-hmm. or the distribution right. but they are to working together in the same cause shouldn't they be supporting one another that was really the point i was trying to get to
5: yeah absolutely yes yeah, it's it shouldn't be my way or the highway it should be well let's let's work together and you know the idea of subsidiarity which is very much very popular in catholic uh is is a catholic principle says well um as long as you have the right principles, do it the way you think it needs to be done. As long as you're following, you know, the ch- church teaching, I don't care how you do it. Just get it done and do it the way, do it in your way, and I will do it in my way. But when it comes to those principles, I will be intransigent. I will, you know, I will insist because those those are things that are non-negotiable.
3: Mr. John Horvat is our guest. Tradition, family, and property. We're talking about the revolution and counter-revolution in our society. We have about three minutes left with you. Uh, tell us. So, what? what are they, what's the action plan here? What should every Catholic who's listening right now take away from this conversation? What should they be doing?
5: I think they they need to sort of uh, to uh, to to look at you know at the events around them and say, well, you know, there is a logic to this. There is there are processes that are happening here. Let me, let me try it is not history is not chaos or evolution, it is something that is guided by God that is you know God intervenes in history, God has its role in history, and the devil has his role in history that this is a fight between God and the devil, and that of course God will win. but you know to, to, to uh, put our prayer lives let's say in the perspective of history that we can have an effect, our prayers can have an effect, our actions can have an effect. Um, God, if if we uh, apply them to these to to this to this perspective, that our spiritual lives are not just something that's for ourselves and very uh, closed in and isolated, but we have an impact upon everyone. We need to make that impact felt.
3: Would you suggest that every Catholic could do something?
5: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Any any type of activity allows itself to uh, in, to be put in the perspective of revolution and counter revolution even if it's acts of charity or acts of, uh, uh, you know, just uh, acts of charity or uh, teaching or teaching mathematics, you know, whatever, you know, all these things can have that perspective. And, you, you know, we can put them inside that perspective. All right.
3: Mr. John Horbat from TFP has been our guest. His book is Return to Order. You can find that linked up, but it's returntoorder.com. I think you can get it for free, in fact dot org dot org forgive me yeah return to order mr john horbat thank you for your time today god bless you and god love you it's been great all right uh, that's going to do it for hour number one of catholic drive time praise be to god uh, we're glad that you were a part of the show today if you can join us in the next hour we would love to have you We, of course, will have breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, but we'll also have our Fear and trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show where I promise you're going to learn something and you can win some prizes. You can find the links to our program on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. God love you. God bless you. Or we'll see you in the next hour. Until then.
7: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
5: Why do
2: Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood
7: is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross was that symbolic if you think jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood then you must also conclude that jesus's death on the cross was only symbolic it wasn't really jesus hanging up there it was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world He did that on the cross. Those who believe He is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us His real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only His symbolic flesh and blood?
3: A beacon of truth in a troubled world.
1: This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
7: Welcome to your Catholic
1: Drive Time Keeping you informed and inspired We love God, we ought to be able to talk about
7: Him Getting you started on your day
0: With the latest in breaking news and information
2: From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between It's
7: serious, it's fun, it's your
2: Catholic Drive Time With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz Praise
3: Jesus Christ Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Keeping you informed and inspired I'm your host, Joe McLean It is great to be on with you Praise be to God Hopefully your day is going to go really well. I can see the sun coming up and great opportunity to give God praise. We just wrapped up a conversation with Mr. John Horvat about his book, Return to Order, which you can get for free at returntoorder.org, about the revolution and counter-revolution in our society. Great conversation. We will post that video later today. uh, As well as uh, we... We've been posting all of the interview segments as standalone videos, so you don't have to watch the entire show to get to it. You can just listen to that one conversation. We post that at the Catholic Drive Time YouTube page. We also post it at the Catholic Drive Time Rumble page. We post it on Facebook as well, and I don't know. Well, I I tend to pass them around all of my social feeds, so they're everywhere, but you can find the specific links on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, if you'd like to find those videos or the links to all of them, uh, they're all right there, plus our, our audio podcast is there. There's a ton of information, like sponsor information there as well but uh so great conversation and a lot of headlines that we were covered in the last hour of course we we also discussed the uh uh, chauvin trial there in in, uh, minnesota so much going on today uh good morning to you emily Alcaraz.
0: good morning yeah definitely so much to talk about this morning and um we did discuss a little bit about the chauvin trial but you know a great tragedy but um worse well not worse but it's being used for political purposes which is even more upsetting is just ex- exacerbate- exacerbating the situation.
3: Yeah, amen. It is we can't talk today. I know <laughs> it's early still. It's early. It's uh, praise be to God. Speaking of uh, early still, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you.
4: Yes, and on this early morning uh, during the gospel segment, I'll be talking about predestination.
3: So right now I'm like, oh man, try, uh, priming myself to, uh, to, to talk about predestination <laughs> from the gospel is passage. Some of us are saved and. <laughs> I, didn't want to, I don't want to point fingers at you, Adrian, but some of us are saved. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Do we believe as a, a Catholic in predestination? I guess Adrian will, will try to unpack that very complicated question, and we'll give him 15 seconds on the clock to do it. It'll be fun. But speaking of games, we have our Fear and Trembling game show coming up this hour, and a brand new sponsor and huge prize on, on the deck too. for some lucky Catholic Drive Time listeners, going to be winning this week. That's
0: right. Our sponsor is Providential Company, and they're giving away a prize pack, which includes a custom-made incense-smelling victory votive candle, a print of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and a Memento Mori enamel pin.
7: Hmm. Super cute.
3: Are you seeing the connection here? I'm connecting the dots between providential and predestination. I feel like it might be God's providence that we should be dealing with pr- uh, predestination in the week that we give out providentials. Wow.
2: Are
3: you, you seeing, you seeing that? It's an inter- interesting connection, <laughs> interesting
2: connection. Um,
4: we, we will, we, will, we will, uh, approach this and we'll see. Uh, the best thing about this is, uh, you know, devotion to the Holy Rosary and devotion to Our Lady is a sign of predestination. So, um, just that, that's, that's, a, that's the easy part. That's the easy. Praise be to
3: God. All right. Enough shenanigans for uh, for one morning here. We have the game show coming up. Of course, if you want the rules to how the game is played, or even the phone number if you would like to be the contestant and possibly win the prize, all of that is linked up at grnonline.com. Let's pray for your intentions. For We're also praying for our intentions here at Catholic Drive Time. Emily's last day is fast approaching so we are actively praying that the Lord will provide a great replacement and uh, for a new team member here so that intentions on the deck of course peace in our country for all those people who are who are suffering today especially those martyrs that uh, ISIS executed those Christians uh, we're praying for their their repose of their souls as well and let's ask our lady to intercede for all of us in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen
0: Pope Francis will ordain nine men to the priesthood on Sunday, including a former film director and a tw- 28-year-old soccer player who turned down a chance to play for the team A.S. Roma. In 2010, Samuel Marini was offered a chance to sign as second goalkeeper for the youth team of A.S. Roma, part of Italy's Serie A soccer league in the National Youth Championships. Marini said he decided not to accept the proposal, however, because he was also starting to realize There might be something else he wanted to do with his life. The next year, Pierre Marini told his family that he felt called to the priesthood, saying, The call of the Lord did not come at a precise moment. It was 2011, and I remember that day after day inside of me. I felt that was the way I would be fulfilled. He entered the Redum Torus Mater Seminary, and on April 25th, Good Shepherd Sunday, he will be ordained a priest for the Diocese of Rome by Pope Francis in St. Peter's Basilica. The soon to be priest said he still loves to play soccer, and while in seminary, he created a soccer tournament with friends and classmates. A team of demolition workers at Christchurch, New Zealand's Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament have made an epic discovery. A collection of Catholic relics was excavated from the rubble, preserved in coffee jars, buried beneath an inch of concrete. Christchurch's cathedral became pegged for demolition after earthquakes devastated the property in 2010 and 2011. According to the Guardian, the decade-long deconstruction process was a slow affair, as workers often found treasures which gave them pause. These finds have included altar stones, a nativity scene, and a charity collection box with out-of-circulation coins. Now their biggest discovery has come in the form of long-forgotten relics. Amassed by Bishop John Grimes during his 19th century travels through Europe, they were once on display in the cathedral. The relics that can be identified will be placed on display again within the new cathedral for veneration. And Pope Francis encouraged Catholics on Wednesday to read a 19th century Russian spiritual classic. Speaking at his general audience on April 21st, the Pope said that everyone could benefit from reading The Way of a Pilgrim the story of an unnamed pilgrim who travels across Russia seeking to discover the secret of constant prayer. The Holy Father said, quote, We all have something to learn from the perseverance of the Russian pilgrim, mentioned in a famous work on spirituality, who learned the art of prayer by repeating the same invocation over and over again. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Lord, have mercy on us sinners. If graces arrive in our life, If prayers become so warm one day that the presence of the kingdom were perceived here among us, if that vision could be transformed until it became like that of a child, it would be because we have insisted on reciting a simple Christian exclamation. In the end, it becomes part of our breathing. The Pope said that reciting prayers out loud is a sure way of praying because it is not dependent on our feelings. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
3: St. Roman Adme Rosales, pray for us. St. Roman was born on the 27th of February, 1859 in Alasco, Mexico. He was ordained on the 30th of November, 1890, became a parish priest in 1913, a position he held all the way up until he uh, was martyred for the faith. He especially was known for his ministry to the sick and his devotion to Our Lady. He built chapels in the area and founded the Daughters of Mary of Nocturnal Adoration. And when the government persecutions of Catholics arose under Plutarco Caius, he took his ministry underground. On the 18th of April, 1927, while conducting a Lenten service, one of the people at the service betrayed him to a uh, Colonel Quinones and Father Roman was arrested and forced to march many miles to another parish that was commandeered to be used as a jail. Colonel Quinones had uh, took the rectory for himself and his own use while he kept St. Roman tied to an outdoor post during the day, threw him in a cell at night, and neglected to give him food or water. Some local people, some lay folks, offered to buy the priest's freedom, and the colonel demanded $6,000 as bribe, but he pocketed the money and ordered Father Roman executed anyway. One of the soldiers an Antonio Carrillo refused to shoot Saint Roman, and the two of them were martyred together. They died on the 21st of April, 1927, and Saint Roman was canonized on the 21st of May 2000 by Pope St John Paul II. Saint Roman Adme Rosales, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 6 verses 35 through 40. Jesus said to the crowds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have life eternal, and I shall raise him on the last day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The perfect harmony between God's will and the divine will of the Father and the human will of the Son. Make that very clear in your mind. There is no conflict between Jesus and his human will and the divine will of the Father. Not that Jesus isn't divine. That is the point. He is, in fact, uh, but there is no conflict. He came to do the Father's will. And this is a strong invitation to believe, and yet they won't They won't believe. And what will be the test of their belief, their faith, or their lack thereof? It'll be on the Holy Eucharist. The body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. His flesh given to us to eat, his blood given to us to drink. That'll be the test of faith for for those that would follow him, his disciples. And at the end of this passage, we'll see, most will leave because of it. But it's the question of predestination that uh, really plagues Adrian in his night, uh, nighttime dreams. Right, Adrian? Absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> I've
4: been recently looking uh, really into the debate between the Jesuits and the Dominican school of thought on predestination. That would be the, the Molinist and the Thomist positions. Uh, but we don't have to get into all that. The thing that I want to bring up, though... Let me start here, because this is a really dicey territory, and I want to avoid becoming a material heretic. Uh,
3: <laughs> goals. So, these, are yeah, yes, goals. These, are, these are good life goals. These are good life goals.
4: So I'm going to uh start off by saying what we cannot believe about predestination, because that's easier. Uh, so what we cannot believe is that those who are born and justified initially, like, for instance, when you're baptized, uh, all those who are baptized are predestined to eternal life, uh, that they will go to heaven for sure. We cannot believe that, uh, that you're guaranteed heaven when you're baptized, when you become a Christian. Uh, secondly, we cannot believe that, um, that the people who are predestined by God do not receive the grace to actually be justified in the end. Uh, what that means exactly is we cannot believe that God does not supply the grace necessary that all may be saved. Uh, so the, those are the two things that I want to start off saying because I think those are good foundations uh to to thinking about what we do believe about predestination versus what we don 't believe. So God wills the uh, the life of all people He does not will the death of a sinner, but that he be converted and live uh, so we know that 's true, but we also know that God predestines some people to uh, to eternal life. What does this mean? Well, Augustine talks about how this is a, a um, it 's a predestination of grace. So you receive grace initially because you, the very first act of faith that you make, God has to give you that act. He has to give you the grace. Otherwise, you can never come to faith to begin with. Now, Cornelius Lapidae makes the point here that our Lord here is not talking about predestination to glory, but he's talking about predestination to faith and grace. Uh, what, what's the difference here? Okay, so a predestination to faith and grace It's it's talking about the initial movement of the soul towards God. And the initial, the predestination to glory is saying that you are guaranteed heaven. Uh, Those are two different things. And so the predestination of faith and grace, God has given you the grace sufficient for you to enter heaven. But God also gives certain people more grace than others. So in a simplified way, look at Our Lady, for instance. Our Lady is given this this great grace, this uh, grace that is above all other graces, and that makes her, it's almost impossible that Our Lady fall because of the grace that she's given. Um, the same thing with Adam and Eve, yet they did. Um, but of course, they ended up in heaven in the end. Uh, but so God gives grace to different people in different levels. This is a divine mystery. We cannot know the mind of God and why he does the things he does and why he gives the grace to who. he gives them to Um, that's about all the time we have for this but uh, yeah so uh, maybe in the after show we can go into it in more depth but I think I'll leave it there seems
3: pretty definitive to me Yes, I'll leave everybody (laughs) confused and leave it there well, anyway, we laughed because there was, there was the Pope had to break up the fighting between religious orders on this topic, so it's kind of funny. All right, so that's going to do it for that for now. If you want to talk about that in the after show, we certainly can. You drive the conversation in the after show, which is in the second half of this hour. But what's coming up next is our fear and trembling game show where prizes are at stake. In fact, uh, over a $100 value prize pack this week. All that and more coming up on the very other side of this short break. Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling is coming up next.
7: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God, And a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org.
1: Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin.
3: Joe McClain! Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share this information with anyone. Let's just keep it between us. But we like to do a few things on the, the, uh, the trivia game show here. One, we teach a little bit about the faith. So you always learn something you probably did not know before. And then we like to have a little laugh in the process and we give out prizes. It's kind of a winner for everybody involved, so praise be to God for that. But here's the kicker. We have callers that, uh, that call in to be the contestant to possibly win the prize, but we don't ask them any of the questions. Mm-mm. Instead, we ask Emily, we ask Adrian, one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And then the caller will have 15 seconds to decide who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine Pro- providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily.
0: This week's prize sponsor is Providential Company. That You can find them on their website, providential.co. And they're giving away a prize pack this week that includes a victory votive candle that smells like frankincense, um, an Our Lady of Guadalupe print in honor of our patron, and a Memento Mori enamel pin, which is actually super cute. You can find all of these if you want to look at them and see what they look like on their website, providential.co also, on their social media pages on Facebook and Instagram.
3: All right. Praise be to God. I almost said, instead of saying the divine cup of, of uh, coffee, predestination. cup. Of, I almost said predestination. I was that Close. coffee cup of predestination. I almost said that, which means the game is rigged. I'm just saying. Okay. By God, though.
0: <gasps> By God,
3: though. <laughs> <laughs> By God. <laughs> All right. There was a ton of phone calls that came in this morning. Praise be to God for everyone who tried to call in today. Thank you for doing that. Uh, there'll be another chance tomorrow so please uh we have two more days you get two more opportunities so if you don't get in today try again tomorrow please but let's go to the phones here uh calling in from san antonio pocahontas good morning to you thank you thank you for being on our program good morning praise be to god uh you were a first-time commenter in our after show the other day too if i'm not mistaken that's correct. So you, uh, you obviously got the, the the you know the angelic hallelujah uh, just to say thank you for being a first time commenter. Uh, unfortunately, Adrian, my producer refuses to play the horns of judgment for first time commenters. So you're so you're very blessed because the the alternative is kind of dreary. But. I'm also willing to play Jesus is a friend of mine just <laughs> just for the record. But it's good to have you on. Now, now where where do you go to church, Pocahontas?
7: Uh, The Basilica of the Little Flower.
3: Whoa! I've been there several times. It is a beautiful place. Uh, Fascinating fact, in the basement is a portrait of St. Therese painted by her sister. Uh, You must must have seen that many times, I imagine. Yes. Praise (laughs) be to God. All right, uh, so if you've been listening, do you know how the game is played? I do. All right, so you know. Emily, Adrian, very tricky people. They might, uh, they might really try to throw you off here. You got to listen to them carefully. Okay. All right, here we go. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Emily, are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Emily, can you tell me what is the capital sin that is a willing grieving over someone else's spiritual? or material goods. What do we call that? What is the capital sin of grieving over another's spiritual or temporal or material goods? I believe this is called avarice. Avarice? Sounds sounds legit. I don't know. Let's just see. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is the capital sin that is a willing grieving over someone else's spiritual or material goods? Uh, Envy. Envy. Yep. Envy. Uh, you you sure uh mm, yep (laughs) all right adrian is on the hook for envy and emily is on the hook for avarice 15 seconds on the clock who's right who's wrong pocahontas what say you
7: uh adrian
3: survey says
7: wow
3: (laughs) that was a hard one was it hard pocahontas did you think that was hard
0: a little, yes. <laughs> well, because avarice is
3: greed, so it
0: could work.
3: Yeah, it was. I guess that was tricky. I don't know. I thought it was fairly straightforward, but I guess. But you got it right, so praise be to God. You got the hard one over. Um, you're in the coffee cup of divine providence. How do you feel about that, Bocanis?
7: Oh, I'm excited.
3: All right. Good. All right, let's see what the next question brings to you. Uh, this one, hmm, I don't know. This one could be tricky, I guess. Adrian, we're going to go with you on this. Adrian, what part of Holy Mass is considered changeable? Is considered changeable.
4: That would be the predestined parts of Mass. Wow. (laughs) They're predestined to be different parts every day. I've never heard of those.
3: is that official? Like, that's the official? It's a technical term. It's the technical term. I'm not a
0: liturgist, though, okay. so... Okay,
3: maybe I should, like, Google that. Okay, the, so you're saying the predestined changeable parts. The predestined parts of the Mass. Predestined parts. All right, let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me what part of the Mass is considered changeable?
0: Mm, well, I'm going to go with the propers.
3: The propers? Yes. Okay, so... You're saying the propers of the mass are changeable. Yes. Uh, Emily's on the hook for propers. Adrian is on the hook for predestined. Or maybe he's just on a kick of predestination. I don't know. But uh, he's on for predestined. Emily's on for propers. 15 seconds on the clock. Pocahontas, what say you? Who's right? Who's wrong? Emily. Survey says...
4: Sorry, I couldn't help it. I I was predestined to say that. You were predestined.
3: Is this going to be a theme for the whole rest rest, of the show? Just the rest of the day, day, actually. How many times can we... We should get like a bell or a ticker for every time (laughs) predestination comes up in conversation. We should keep a count. But uh, a Pocahontas, was that tricky? Did you feel like that was hard? That was tricky. (laughs) Now, here's the question. What are the propers of the mass, Adrian? Well, the propers of the mass
4: are well, I mean, like we said they' they're the changeable parts of the mass, so uh, the collects, the secret
3: the all those things are the called the gospel the, the, the epistle mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the parts that change per day those are called the propers of the mass, and they are in fact changeable, so it was a trick question I am at it I, am at, I admit it all right, here we go. I think this next one should be straightforward. back to Emily this time, Emily, are you ready? Yes. Emily, can you tell me what is the first of the six precepts of the Catholic Church in the United States? Oh, there's an order? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say be
0: baptized and go to, well, hold on, okay be baptized and then go to confession once a year.
3: That's your answer? Yes. Uh, okay, so you're saying baptized and confession at least once a year is the first precept of the six in the United States. Uh,
0: baptism once in your life, confession once a year.
3: <laughs> okay, oh, so you can't be baptized per year. No.
0: No, <laughs> definitely not.
3: <laughs> Am I <laughs> confused the seat. Anathema, Anathema seat. Anathema seat. All right, baptism and confession is Emily's answer. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the first of the six precepts of the Catholic Church in the United States. You know, these were never, uh, I was never asked to memorize these,
4: but I'm going to go with to hear Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation.
3: To hear Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. All right, let's see here. Adrian is on the hook to hear Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, and Emily's on the hook to be baptized at least once, and... Uh, Confession Go to Confession once a, once a year. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Pocahontas, what say you?
7: I'm going to say Emily.
3: Survey says,
2: <laughs> I'm oh, so no! sorry. <laughs> Two for three,
3: though. Two for three. Wow. Yeah. That was, th- okay, that was tricky. All right, we'll admit it. It's. It's totally Emily and Adrian's fault, but it was tricky. I'm so sorry, (laughs) Pocahontas. In fact, uh, yeah, she was throwing you off there. Uh, The first precept is to hear Mass on Sunday. In other words, when we attend Mass, we are hearing Mass being said, and of course we have to also do that on Holy Days of Obligation. First of the precepts in the U.S. uh, So the praise be to God. Two chances in the coffee cup of divine providence, Pocahontas. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Well, thank you very much. This was really fun. Praise be to God for being a uh, good sport today and having fun with us answering some questions. Hopefully, we, le- we all learned something. That's part of the goal here. But uh, we're going to put you on hold in case it's God's divine will that you are pulled out of the coffee cup on Friday. So you have to tune in for that. But we're going to get your phone number just to make sure we can call you back if you are the winner. But God love you. God bless you, Pocahontas. Have a great day. You too. All right, sorry to cut her off, but that's going to do it for the radio side of our program. The Holy Mass is going to air next. Please keep us in your intentions if you're going to listen to the Mass. Uh, But if you can join us in the after show, we want to conversate with you. What's on your mind? You get to drive that conversation. All you got to do is go to our website and find the Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter link, and you can hang out with us and comment, and we're going to read those live. Uh, Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired.
1: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
3: Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where I had one job to do today, and I failed to do it miserably. Ugh! We totally forgot something important to do. Um, urgh, I want to shoot myself. Not really, but you know what I mean, right? Well, welcome to the after show where we conversate about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, it's all on the agenda. Praise be to God. But we forgot something important. We have a, a loyal Catholic Drive Time super fan whose birthday it is today. And I absolutely forgot to, uh, to wish him a happy birthday. I think we got so involved in our predestination conversation that I absolutely forgot. So uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Tomorrow, will be a day late, but hopefully not a dollar short. We'll try it tomorrow. Great show today, by the way. Uh, a lot of people to, uh, to acknowledge here on the stream, praise be to God. Facebook was really wacka, wacky today. Yeah, Facebook was not good. Oh, I didn't notice. So, like, the, the audience seems down on Facebook, but uh. I had so many problems when we first went live, so I'm not sure what the deal is there, but let me just recognize some folks here. On Facebook side, first, Lori, oh, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks to Thank you for hanging out. My brain has shut off. I don't understand what's going on with my mind. <laughs> I got the frog thing going on, the froggy brain going on, and it's just... Shut off, and I'm struggling mightily to, to comprehend and articulate. Susan Weber, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Jesus Robles, good morning to you. Uh, thank you for hanging out today. Joaquin, good morning. Praise be to God. Lori, of course. Patty, good morning. Good morning. Gloria, it's uh, good to see you here, hanging, hanging out with us again, of course, as usual. Monica Cortez, good morning. Praise be to God. Melanie. Melanie is very sad you're leaving, by the way. Oh. I am very sad she's leaving, too. Yeah. I'm sorry, Melanie. Uh, but, uh, Emily, where are you going? Let, let him know again.
0: I am moving back to my hometown, Chicago.
3: Yep. I know. Who, pa- who goes to Chicago when they <laughs> could go elsewhere? That's a, that is a philosophical question. Almost Sh- as tough as predestination. Is there a Chicago, Texas? I feel like there probably is. Probably.
4: Infinitely better, too, I imagine. <laughs> I just like Texas. Uh, Jeff said, Adrian is good at the game show. Aw, thanks, Genevieve. Melly thought those were very hard questions. <laughs> Sienna said, I'm they going are. to, I'm really <laughs> going to miss Emily, says Sienna. Oh.
3: Um,
4: yeah, we we're going to miss Emily, too. Um, And we're so sorry for forgetting to wish your son happy birthday, Jeff. Yes. I'm just, oh. all, all I'm saying is.
3: Uh, come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. I tell yeah. you what, Jeff, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, have my um, my producer flogged. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. for uh for forgetting to remind me you know what i'm saying like what's up with that i don't know you know he had one job one job to do remind me of the one thing i was supposed to accomplish today i was uh, failing
4: to do so i might i had no choice in the matter i was predestined to uh to not remind
3: you it was out of my hands it was was out of my hands out of your hands huh all right christopher chance good morning to you thanks for hanging out today by the way let's see who else is on the facebook site bruce good morning praise be to god uh david gonzalez uh, it's good to see you. is david a brand new commenter david, david gonzalez on facebook no. Uh, no i don't think so no no but
4: i think Lose, maureen is Lose, good morning maureen are you a new commenter i think you are on our catholic drive time facebook page i'm sad emily is leaving she yeah. said oh. i think do y'all recognize her
3: I I think I might have seen
4: Maureen comment before. Let us know. If you're watching for the first time, let us know because we uh, are struggling to remember. Should we? Lots of mental frogs.
3: Should we (laughs) err on the side of
4: of Providence? Um, I don't think that works, but I will say. (laughs) Should we
3: err on the side of (gasps) predestination?
4: Yes. Maureen said yes. She is a first time commenter. There we go. There we go. Praise be to God.
3: Uh, Praise be to God. Maureen, thank you for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Uh, Let's see. That's Facebook side. Who's hanging out on the YouTube side? Of course, Valentin and Eric. Good morning. Liam. Uh, Liam? Liam has got to be a first-time commenter on YouTube. Says, what is the name of the YouTube opening song and... Who is sung by? It is beautiful.
4: Yeah, so the songs I was playing at the beginning is actually from the TFP. Uh, TFP Louisiana is their YouTube channel. And uh, they're actually trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers so that way they can take the ads off of their YouTube channel. Yes. Because they don't want ads on their YouTube channel. Um, and so, But they uh, put out these great music. It's uh, made by Mr. Alvaro. He's stationed in Lafayette. Great, great uh uh singer and he it's really funny. I'll, I'll give you all a little uh sneak peek behind the scenes. They call the uh bagpipes in this on the songs that are on the YouTube channel uh Zabato uh pipes because his last name is Zabato and the the notes that he hits in his songs with the pipes are impossible to play in real life because he uses a piano uh <laughs> keyboard uh for the bagpipes. And so they call them Zabato Pipes, because in reality, because the, the TFP guys will sing those same songs when they're on campaign and stuff, but they can't hit those notes because it's impossible
3: on a real bagpipes. So it's kind of <laughs> funny. You know who, else, who else had uh, a famous rocker who did something similar? He, they would create these crazy songs in studio, and then when it came time to performing them live, it was like darn near impossible. Um, Eddie Van Halen. He was known for that. Not familiar, but... Jonah. Before we forget, Liam's
4: uh, first-time commenter sound uh, is-,
3: <laughs> Jesus is... Oh, whoops, whoops.
4: Oh, oh, Lord, oh, oh, oh. Uh, my finger slipped. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, uh, uh, you know, it just happens sometimes.
0: Guys, Jonah is listening. Birthday boy. Oh, happy birthday, Jonah. Happy birthday, Jonah.
3: Happy birthday, Jonah. We, we, we're supposed to do it earlier in Did the show. Did you go
0: to school? <laughs>
3: <laughs> My bad. My bad. Tune in tomorrow, Jonah. We're, we won't forget, will we? Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll make sure to say it on the radio. Tomorrow we will, we, will do, we will do it proper like tomorrow, Jonah. I'm so sorry. But happy birthday. How old are you, Jonah? I'm just curious. Uh, Eric Rodriguez. A hashtag don't go Emily. Apparently it's trending <laughs> these days. Um, or hashtag no to Chirac. Ouch. I have no idea what it's it saying. with a Q. R- What's Chirac? Iraq, instead of Iraq, it's shy as in Chi Town, it's in Chicago. Oh. Chirac. They made a movie I, called I Chirac. Really? Based <laughs> on shakes. Okay. Ba-
0: based on a Greek We're tragedy? We're giving That's Chicago hilarious.
3: a hard time. <laughs> the truth is, the, sh- the pizza is actually quite good. <laughs> and uh, for that reason, alone, oh, I can attest to that. You may want to stop by
0: and the Catholic churches.
3: Oh, <laughs> yes.
4: Oh, my goodness. Honestly, it, one of the sad things about being in the South is we do not have churches like they do in the Northeast and in the Midwest because they they just been around longer so they have all these beautiful churches built way back when and by all of our immigrants. churches yes and by yes that's the crazy thing a lot of these churches are like oh we 200 can't years to- ago exactly and it blows my mind because we're like people will make the excuse oh we can't build a nice church because we can't afford it i'm like what how did these immigrants uh they do it, it like it, by yeah. hand exactly. dragging stones you know
0: Exactly. It, and it's happening again now. The chapel where my parents go in Chicago, the church burned down. And so once again, they're building it from the ground up. And my dad was like working on the windows the other day. <laughs> my totally. dad is an immigrant. So once again, we're building churches from the ground up by immigrants. I love it. That's
3: pretty base. Uh, that is pretty cool. And it's
0: going to be stunning. I can't wait. Yeah, New ripples.
3: England is the same way. You have beautiful churches that are very old, and you just get a sense of their of the uh of the history. It's quite nice. Unfortunately, though, the church has been racked quite quite a bit there. And uh, when I left New England in 2006, they were consolidated. They had the they had the church abuse, but they were already dwindling. So the, the uh, people weren't going to mass in great numbers. And so the coffers were down. They could not afford to maintain the buildings. So when Cardinal O'Malley shows up to Boston after Cardinal Law's disgrace and the church abuse scandal... Uh, He basically starts consolidating all the parishes up there and uh, the, some of the people fought back and they tried to do sit-ins. The police had to come in and remove people and he was selling the properties off and consolidating parishes. It was a hot mess. And yeah. I remember I had a coworker. worker I was in the secular world at the time, and she her and I were talking, and she was lamenting about her parish was being shut down. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. She goes, yeah, I was baptized there. I go, oh, I'm so sorry. That's got to be painful. Uh, you know, what is the pastor saying? She goes, oh, I don't know. I don't go to church. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, well, then why do you care? I mean, yeah, well, there, there, know, there isn't I'm no. confused. It's a sentimental thing just because you were baptized there? I mean, that's, that's the extent of it? I mean, this seems pretty shallow.
0: There's an organization in Chicago called Save Our Churches, which are actually, they organize protests in Chicago against the closing Super of the beautiful cool. churches. So you will see me protesting out there when I move back. That's
4: awesome. So w- what I'm hearing is people need to subscribe to your YouTube channel to uh, make sure they see what's going on in live Chicago. Live footage. Will
3: we get the arrest video live? Can we, can we oh. have you call oh, CDT cool. as you're being Maybe you'll arrested? Maybe we'll get arrested
4: with Father... Um, so we get the scoop? <laughs> with uh, What's his name? The priest who... Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Father per- Padre Peregrino. Oh, uh, Father his- Dave Nix. Father Nicks. Dave Nix. Yes. Maybe <laughs> you get arrested with Father Dave Nix. I know Father Dave Nix gets arrested all the time for um, going to abortion clinics and things like that. But um, oh, Ma- Maria but- Teresa, Maria Teresa, is she
3: new? Is that a first-time commenter? I've seen Maria, Maria Teresa. Teresa before. Oh, I try. I tried Maria. I tried to give it to you again, <laughs> but they they they, they vetoed. If God
4: don't do it, See what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. You know what the God song? The song is about it, predestination.
3: Is it really? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> We need a counter. We need like a bell sound. So Maybe we-
0: you should explain what predestination is because most people have not heard of it. What are we talking
4: about? Predestination. <laughs> uh, um, Chris made a really good point earlier. We must avoid presumption when talking about predestination. Yes, that's, that's incredibly, incredibly important. That's why I led with starting saying whenever we think about predestination, we should not um, assume that because we're catholic catholics and that we receive the sacraments that we're predestined to heaven because we uh we don't know we yeah. could fall at any time at any moment we could be uh, cut off from the mystical body of Christ so that's why these sacraments are so important and that's why we must uh pray for the grace that God will give us because without grace we cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven mm. um, the whole idea of predestination, though, the reason, um, the whole debate between the Molinists and the Thomists positions was in regards to this simple question that did our Lord have free will uh, whenever he was crucified? Specifically when he was crucified, did he have free will? And so the the question became this uh, after the Protestant Revolution because you had a lot of the Protestants um, having new definitions of free will and new definitions of predestination. And so our Lord the question was posed, whenever he was crucified, our Lord had a perfect obedience to the Father. And if he had perfect obedience to the Father, then how could he or could he choose to be crucified? Mm-hmm. Well, to many people, the answer was no. He couldn't choose it because he had perfect obedience to the Father, and therefore he had no choice in the matter. Therefore, he did not have free will. And he was uh, – and so – then the question became. Uh, so the, the Thomist answer to this question was simple. It was, of course, he had free will, because what is free will but to do the Amen. good? Amen. And so in the, the and for Christ to do the will of the Father is to do good, and therefore he had free will. He freely yeah. chose to do the will of the Father, uh, even though he could not do otherwise because it was against his nature to do otherwise. It doesn't matter. He still had the freedom. Um, to do the good. Now, the problem was that the modern man kind of saw free will and kind of, and it's the same way today. We saw free will as freedom to choose, um, A or B. And that's not the traditional understanding of free will. And so, if I'm not able to do evil, then I must not be free is the modern mindset. And so, the modern mindset, and, uh, Michael Knowles actually alluded to this in his, in our interview with him. He talked about how the, uh, heroin addict, is in modern society is considered the most free he's the most free person in the world because he can uh, shoot up heroin and do whatever he wants pursue all his sinful pleasures but the traditional understanding is no he's actually the most enslaved of everyone mm. uh, because you're enslaved to sin it is mm. only in doing the will of, God, of the father only in doing good that you are free and so, and that is what it means to be free—is to do the will of the Father.
3: Yeah, um, that's why we have freedom. We have freedom not to do whatever we, we a sinful pleasure we want, but rather to do of our own free gift back to the Father out of love to do His will, to seek the good of others, the absolute good which is heaven itself. Absolutely, um, and that is our purpose. That is our that is our drive. And I think people really struggle with the concept because of concupiscence and that's why this goes back to my comments on our lady or or our lord being uh, depicted in film and television Uh, we always layer this concupiscent nature on top of them whether we don't even realize we're doing it we just do it by default because we can't fathom the idea of why we would not act in this way Um, but why they would act contrary to the way we would act uh, because of our concupiscence they had perfect uh conformity to god's will and i think it's easy to say every saint who is in heaven every saint who's there in heaven now uh has a perfect conformity to god's will do they not absolutely and that's why so i mean, this is another question that came up during
4: this whole debacle is that the the people were asking what about the saints in heaven are they free do they have free will and the people are saying no they don't have free will because they cannot and the same thing with the angels because they cannot choose to do evil um, they cannot, they can only do the will of the Father. But why can they only do the will of the Father? Because they have perfect conformity with God's will. Uh, the last point I want to bring up about predestination, and maybe we can get a guest and uh, talk about this in a more um, full way, but we'll see. Uh, but the the last point I want to get across is, devotion to Our Lady is a sign of predestination. So pray the rosary, wear the brown scapular, wear the miraculous medal, Devotion to Our Lady is a sign of predestination. All the great saints have said so. Uh, St. Louis de Mumford, whenever he was writing, he talked about how if you would pray the rosary every day, this was a sign that you were predestined. The promise of the brown scapular says that whoever wears the scapular shall not suffer eternal fire. The, these were, the, these were the, the mercies that Our Lady was given. The treasury of grace that Our Lady has and that the all the saints that came before us, this is what we mean by the communion of saints, that all the uh this, the offerings that we give, so all the stuff, like, so whenever we think about this, how many times have you prayed for something and it did not uh happen? You did not get what you prayed for. What happens to those prayers? They don't just disappear. No prayer is meritless. And so when you pray, it is entered into this treasury of grace that Our Lady, as a mediatrix of all graces, can distribute as she pleases. And so if you have devotion to her, If you love Our Lady and you stay close to her, you are under her mantle, that is a sign of predestination because our Lord will not reject anyone that his mother loves. Amen. So, I think that's the most important thing above all the philosophical jargon, above all the uh, disputes and discussion debates. That's the most
3: important part. You know, speaking of predestination, uh, Joaquin says, Jonah deserves the horns live. Uh, I just... He poor. said it was predestined. The good news is that Jonah, Jonah is
4: not here anymore. that's the, the good horns news
3: of the apocalypse.
4: Jeff said he uh,
3: went off to school, and so he's not here anymore. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that he did not have to hear that. It was predestined that the the horns of judgment should uh, should honor Jonah on his 11th birthday. Poor poor fella. Poor, <laughs> poor poor Jonah. <laughs> Praise be to God. You know, Christopher Chance brings up an excellent point about angels and how they made the decision for, to, to, believe, to have uh, obedience or not. Um, and when an angel makes a decision they make so perfectly, unlike us humans, uh, we make uh, imperfect decisions based on, on the information we have at our hand or our faith or what have you. <clears throat> and we can, we can change our mind. Uh, over time, whereas an angel can't, they intuit all the information, and then they make a decision, and then that decision is final. And that is why it's impossible for Lucifer and the fallen angels to repent and be saved in the end, or, or to uh, to to sort of reverse course. It's impossible for that to happen. Uh, for that reason, mm-hmm. so uh, that also plays into the role of of uh, free will, predestination, all that. Right. Angels cannot um, once they
4: once their wills were fixed initially, all other choices they make are only in regards to that first choice they made. Why? Because at that point they either chose to to conform the will to God or not to conform the will to God in all aspects. So they are now stuck. They can only do what is good or only do what is bad because unlike us, because we think of what it's referred to philosophically as discursively, or we think, of, think about syllogisms, we, we have to reason through step by step. That's how we, ha- we come to know things. Whereas angels know things, they grasp the concept as a whole, initially, when they, when they move their intellect
3: to grasp something, they grasp all of it all yeah. at once. Which is also like, if you look at that statue behind you there of uh, St. Michael and, uh, and Lucifer, You know, I was talking to my son yesterday who was with me in the studio, Daniel, who just turned 12. And we were looking at the statue and he's like, Dad, that's bigger than I thought it was. And we were looking at it and I said, you know, the real action that's going on here is not that uh, St. Michael physically puts a spear or a sword or what have you into Lucifer, it's that he counters, he defeats Lucifer's no with his fiat, with his yes. It is that act of perfect obedience that slays uh, and casts out Lucifer. So uh, it's a beautiful statue, by the way. Thank you, Jesus Robles. For letting us display it here in the studio, uh, what do you? Why, he asked me why you th- why the sun and the moon were on the breastplate of Saint Michael. What would you say to that, Adrian? That's a good question.
4: Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Initially, I guess. Let me see. I'm looking over at it. Um, it might, I can think of a couple reasons why it might be. I'm not certain, but and one reason might be that the medievals uh, were of the belief that the angels were had dominion over. The sun, the moon, and the celestial beings, mm. the celestial beings. So uh, an angel would be in charge of it. They would cause them to move. They cause them to shine and the whatnot. Um, and and that's also consistent with what we believe today. It may just be a little bit different, right? The same way we think that uh, or we know that every human has a guardian angel. Uh, so too do countries have guardian angels. So every country has its own guardian angel, and uh, and I'd I'd imagine that the the same is true for every celestial being, both inanimate and animate uh, being, uh, even if. They are not moving in the same way that we think. So that way, we, there are still natural processes happening, like gravity, uh, rotation of the stars and the solar systems over around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. All these things are still happening, uh, but there is movement from the angels. I'm thinking of especially how we have near misses with asteroids all the time. <laughs> um, how does that happen? Well, I mean, obviously there are natural processes that are that exist, but you would think that we would be destroyed at some point, right? Well, maybe. These asteroids or the Earth itself
3: has an angel that's guarding it. Guarding it. Christopher Chance see, uh, sees a possibility that these might reference Jesus and Mary as well.
5: Oh, it could
3: be. Yeah, that makes sense,
5: too. Yeah. The,
4: the sun representing the sun and our lady is always depicted as the moon because she shines the light of the sun. So mm-hmm. that, that's also a total possibility.
3: David from New Hampshire asks me if I've been to St. Maria Church in, in Manchester, New Hampshire. It says one of the beautiful most beautiful churches in New England. I think I have, but only once and it would have been like 2004 maybe. Uh, so a very long time. I'll have to look it up. But, uh, you know, as I said many times on this show, I was married, my wife and I were married at the cathedral in Manchester and uh, built by the people working in the mills to include Andre Bessette, by the way. Um, so fascinating. Yeah, there are some beautiful churches up there. Uh, praise be to God. Unfortunately, um, and I, I want to say that there's maybe a somewhat of a resurgence of the faith in some parts of New England, and praise God for that but there needs to be a lot more, I would argue. Some of the most beautiful churches that I've ever been to, I would have to, in oh well, in Austria, there are some, Salzburg has some beautiful, gorgeous churches. Of course, Rome is pretty pretty amazing as well. Um, but the painted churches here in Texas, they aren't at the same level of exquisiteness, but they are quite nice. When the immigrants came to, to this part of the New World, and they wanted to build their parishes out. they did what they could, and it's quite lovely it's quite beautiful there's a whole series of what they call painted churches in our area uh, where you can go and visit them and they're and they're very nice and they they put up uh they put up a good fight for beautiful churches i would argue maria see uh dan Dan says uh just described to t f p louisiana great job c d t crew they um, have awesome music we'll Highly miss recommend. you emily god bless uh, Maria says um Indeed, I am one of the millions who was transformed by the power of the full rosary. Amen. Amen. Read the next one. <laughs> uh, read the next one. Read the next one. I will miss you all. Mm, Emily no, 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 not that one. Not that one. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Um, let's see. God love you, Maria, mm, no, from Adrian. No, not that one. Amen. Eric, from Adrian. <laughs> mm, no, right I, n- no, no, one, no, right before no, that one. Right before that one. Let's see here. Let's see. Okay, I got Maria Teresa saying, thank you guys for all you do. Deo grazia, Ave Maria. I got that. He went too far. He went too I far. I got the prayer hands. A lot of prayer hands going on. Uh, uh, more, more towards mm. the beginning, you know, where we're, where we're at. No, I don't Seconds see it. Second to last. So, I, no, so, I don't uh, so we'll move on. We'll move on. I'll you know, uh, see what I, else I, what Just in the news. Eric may have made a great point. No, uh, uh, he listen, said,
4: listen, Jesus listen. is a friend of mine. The what? Come was predestined to be on CDT. Come on, man. Jesus is my friend I, I, I can't help it. I, Eric pointed out, it was predestined. I had, it, was, it was out of my hands. It was predestined. It was out
3: of my hands. Predestined. Whoops. Ugh. Whoops. Whoops. Oh, you're going to have to answer it. You're, you're going to have to give an account someday for what you do to the <gasps> hey, minds of our listeners what are talking about? who are going to have to uh, get that song stuck in their head all day long they're so welcome and they're not going to be productive today they you know their bosses may have to chastise them for not being you know you know working because all they can do is think about that viral song in their mind and and heaven help us if they've actually seen the video it'll be over by that point they'll have to go to counseling they are so welcome they are so
4: (laughs) so welcome the songs are not as good as uh tfp louisiana's songs but
3: they're pretty good it's disturbing the video is very disturbing Valentine says, the Holy Land churches are very beautiful. I've never been able to go to the Holy Land. They are so gorgeous.
4: I've been. Someday. I must agree. They are so stunning, except for some of the – they've kind of modernized a couple of the churches, and it does not look good. Like, for instance, at the Church of the Annunciation, the church underground is really nice, um, but the church above it Mm. is horrible horrible they put this um oh my goodness every country in america i mean every country in america every country in the world <laughs> <laughs> uh donated Friday, a yeah because it's the only country i think about uh the uh every country in the world uh, donated a image of our lady to put up in america we sent a tin mary of no. course we did it was it's of so horrendous no. it's horrendous I'm embarrassed. It's, and we uh, they call it aluminum mary because uh, it looks like it looks like they got Mary. aluminum foil and just like folded no. it into uh, to no. a statue of Our Lady. No, it's they call it horrendous. They call it aluminium, Mary. Oh, no, because we're Americans. Aluminium. We're not British. What it's is it?
3: that? Aluminium. It's a British way of saying al- aluminum. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you put an extra I in there. Aluminium, Mary. That's terrible. We could have done better. Good grief. Melanie said, "Not true, Joe." Not true.
4: I've been working and listening
3: to you. Go, Adrian.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Melanie.
3: Melanie, thank you. Confessions fifteen minutes before, thirty minutes before mass at my parish. Anyway, I'm not sure what your your parish offers, but uh, I'd go to confession. Uh, you know the one the one place. I if I had to choose one place, I am highly tempted to choose over going to Jerusalem, Ephesus, Ephesus because. It's the Holy House where Our Lady lived with St. John that intrigues me, fascinates me. I think about it a lot. Could you imagine standing there and realizing that John the Apostle probably said Mass there with Our Lady countless times, providing her the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Eucharist of her divine child son, Jesus. I could just sit there and I think just be in this space— and just, just contemplate that for a long time. And that would blow me away.
0: Yeah, I think the the reason there's such an emphasis on the Holy Land is because evangelicals, that's the closest connection they have to the actual Jesus. But as Catholics, we have the real presence. And so we, like, we don't have to try to get close to Jesus. We receive him in the flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity every Sunday. Which is why I think for Catholics, a, a greater pilgrimage spot would be like Lourdes or Fatima or Rome or something. We 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 don't need to get close to Jesus. We have Him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jesus Robles says, "You guys are my best preparation for presiding public rosaries. I can't start my day without you guys. Aw, oh. that's super Thank sweet. Hey, you, you're the best, bro. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you. You know, you know
4: what that deserves, right? Uh, <laughs>
3: That, I was. Is, Jesus. Amen. I'm so, I'm like Amen. my brain is so fogged, I was trying to move my thumb to a button, but uh, <laughs> I was so slow. I mean, what's up with that? What is this button? Why is my brain not working today? The
5: with
3: that. What the up? With that. a CDT tr- road trip. You know what? Okay. To Ephesus? So Ephesus? Yeah, I know. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, he, here's one thing I was thinking about doing. I've thought about this for years now. Renting a huge coach bus and taking a pilgrimage all the way up to Wisconsin and uh, stopping along the way. Uh, St. Louis would be a fantastic oh, place yes. to go. Oh, yes. I love St. Louis. I mean, how many beautiful churches are there, right? So many. Um, of course, we'd have, to, we'd have to swing through Chicago. I mean... Institute of Christ the King in St. Louis. No, I was going to say deep the dish Kikito. pizza, but okay. Institute of Christ <laughs> the King will work as well. Uh, but no, uh, you get into Wisconsin, you get some incredibly uh, beautiful shrines. Our Lady of Guadalupe out on the cross is amazing. Built by my friend's father, like Stroik. Pff, mind blown amazing. And then, of course, you've got Holy Hill outside Milwaukee. You got the uh, approved apparition further to the north. I mean, there's just a lot of shrines up there that are just awesome. I would love to do that. That'd be a fun CDT pilgrimage road trip someday. God's will be done if if it is predestined, then it'll happen, right? Adrian? Right. <laughs> if I said if it's predestined it'll happen? Uh, if God don't do it it won't get done. Come on, man. Come on, man. Get with
7: it. it. It won't get done.
3: All right, we're going to go take naps. Obviously, we're all tired. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for another round of Catholic Drive Time. Tell a friend. Tell a family. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then.
7: Thank you for joining us on.